Thank you for listening to Inside the 435. Our show is supported by sponsors and our loyal audience. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. This podcast is hosted and produced with Anchor. Here is why you should use Anchor to produce your podcast. It's free, no cost to you ever. There are creation tools built into Anchor allowing you to record, edit, and upload your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor takes the tedious and long process of distribution off of your to-do list. Your show will be automatically distributed to Spotify and Apple Podcasts for you. Everyone dreams of making a little bit of money from a podcast. This is made possible by Anchor. With no minimum listenership, you can be offered sponsorships. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do not wait a second longer. Download the free Anchor app, that's A-N-C-H-O-R, or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number three of Inside the 435 podcast. Today, I'm here with Ali Sadiq. Hey. Hey, Jack. Um, So we had done a few Instagram live streams over the past, like last week we did two. Yeah. Um, And we talked about the election. And now that the election's over and people really don't care about us anymore, uh, (laughs) the podcast. So we have... Uh, not done a podcast episode in probably since last summer. Yeah, that's um, about right. But yeah, now we're back and ready to have some fun. <laughs> so, not a whole lot's happened. Really, the exact same thing that's been happening, you know, throughout the past, like, um, since, since election day, basically, uh, the Trump campaign is claiming voter fraud, claiming that they didn't lose the election. Uh, the Biden campaign is, you know, transitioning into you know the office office of the president elect, starting to, you know, try to get some of the information that they're supposed to have. Which um, comes with a vaccine. Right, right. So we, yeah, we, um, I think was it Pfizer announced? Yeah, uh, it was Pfizer. Yeah, they announced ninety percent efficiency, uh, and that was on, I think. Thursday? No, that was on Tuesday. Yeah. The market um, soared when we heard news of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, the um, S&P 500 and uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped to record highs after that. Yep. Um, yeah, but what, what we're seeing is the Trump campaign is not doing a very good job of uh, realizing this election is over. Yeah, and, yeah we need to put it behind us. It's, it's right, they haven't... They've definitely interfered with the transfer of power. So what are your thoughts? I think, I mean, they they just need to realize that they're not going to, they lost the election. And I think like a problem this is causing them not conceding is polarizing the nation. Because like with them not conceding, the supporters still have faith. They still think that Trump um, can and will be the president. While um, I think it's very clear that Biden's the president, like Biden's going to be the 46th president of the United States. So it's just an issue we need to put behind us. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And what, I mean, I don't necessarily know how the Trump campaign feels about the whole situation. And I think it's really led by Trump himself. But yeah, what you mentioned is, you know, Trump starts saying things and then his supporters start to get on board with it. And then we're at a situation where um, 
you know, it's people are truly believing this stuff. And I mean, there are politicians, very intelligent people who are saying that Biden should not have won this election. So, I mean, do you think that's just all, you know, like brainwashing from Trump? Or do you think that people legitimately believe that there's evidence that could overturn this election? No, it's all, they're just doing it for the case of the election. I don't think there's any, like, there's there's no solid evidence. Like, there might have been some, like, tampering on a small scale, as there, I'm sure, is with every election. But, like, nothing to, over like, overturn the whole, um like, overturn who will become the next president. Yeah, and, I mean, what people really need to realize is that, so, I mean, I've heard people say, like, the media does not decide the election. And that's very true. I mean, the election's not over after the media projects a winner. That's why it's called the projected winner of the election. Yeah. The election ends on December 17th when the electors get together and meet and vote for the president. The vice president announces it. Right. So that the election isn't over until then. And people, you know, say like, okay, so there's the widespread voter fraud theory, which I say is 100% um, untrue. Yeah. There's the... um, you know, and then there's people claiming that, well, there was small-scale voter fraud. And if you're talking about small-scale voter fraud, I would say that um, 100%, I have no doubt about it, that there was small-scale, that voter fraud occurred in this election. I have no doubt voter fraud occurred in the 2016 election, 2012, 2008. I have no doubt that voter fraud did occur. Um but not at a scale that's going to, you know, change who yeah, won the election. Biden yeah. won by many votes. I don't think there's, um, like, there's no way that, like, any accounts of fraud, like, um, changing of ballots caused a, a complete shift in the election. Yeah, there, there definitely wasn't. And, w- like, voter fraud can be something, you know, voter fraud could occur when a democrat looks at a republican ballot and thinks that it wasn't bubbled in right that that's essentially voter fraud and it's not there's not necessarily like malintent and there's not necessarily um like you know political you know anything political behind it um and yeah whether a ballot is valid is up to the discretion of the people at the polling place so the whole theory that people are changing ballots throwing out ballots finding ballots um especially the finding ballots theory i really don't understand yeah yeah, i don't think there's any like um truth behind this so i'm not worried about the you know future of this election at all issue we can put behind us what i am sort of worried about is how trump has refused and you know the trump campaign has refused to call this election over so what they're also refusing to do is um you know, turn over the proper, uh, you know, resources that Biden needs to continue. So he's not getting access to all confidential information that he needs, which I s- sort of understand. Now, in the, uh, yeah, the Gore and Bush election, what happened was um, people have blamed uh, 9-11 on uh, Bush not getting uh, the resources that he needed on time. And that's, and now I've heard people, I've, I've even heard people say that we're looking at a repeat of nine 11. If uh, Trump doesn't turn over the proper. Uh, no, resources. no, I don't like 
9-11 was a terrorist attack based on like mal intent to the country based on like um al-qaeda and terrorist organizations i don't think it has to do with the, the american election or the american political system in any way i don't think it could have been prevented if bush had yeah. been yeah, elected president on election night yeah so yeah um some good news we uh, did hear from Pfizer that you know just like a few days after Biden was named president-elect um, they had 90% efficiency with their coronavirus vaccine yep um, and I said it on I think Tuesday uh, they it's only re- t- uh, 50% is required for it to be released into the public yeah so two doses we're in a good place England's ordered 20 million doses. I believe Trump, like he has ordered, previously ordered like over 100 million doses. So we are going in the right direction. Yeah. So uh, studies have shown now that if we were to undergo a, now obviously this is not something we want to do, but a six to eight week uh, quarantine, a six to eight week shutdown, and we handle everything properly and people, um, you know, follow the directions that they're, you know, intended to follow that we could have this virus under control in six to eight weeks we can like follow directions but i don't think it's necessary to go into another complete like lockdown or shutdown so i that's where i actually disagree i would not be surprised if we see a shutdown in you know statewide you know we're in ohio so i, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a statewide shutdown within um the month and what's happening is uh our school we got a letter saying that if we so our school's not doing very good i think we've got eight positive cases a lot of people quarantined and our school had said that if we don't have it under control by after thanksgiving uh we are going to be shut down again um so what what's probably going to happen is if we can't get it under control um we are going to shut down until uh January 4th, which is when we're intended to go back after winter break. Okay, so yeah, we just lost Ali from the uh, stream. So yeah, we were we we're going to take a quick break, and then I will be back. All right, we good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. So, my, um, well, my where did I cut out? Oh, uh, you cut out. Um, you were saying like six day we locked down another one. Okay, yeah. So, uh, did I did you hear me talk about schools at all? No, no. All right, so yeah, they're saying that if we had a six day we could lock down, we could get the virus under control and be in a very good situation. Um, and you said that you don't think that um, we're going to go through a complete lockdown again. No, so, I think like quarantine, like. Like, wear your mask, stay six feet apart, like, don't go to, like, gatherings and stuff, try to stay, like, relatively alone, but, like, in a complete lockdown, like, in the spring, I don't think so. So, yeah, I said I disagree, um, 
so schools we know are not the main uh, reason that we are transfer, um, you know, transferring this virus to each other. And the main reason, um, actually, we really don't know like what's causing it. Um, it's mostly small gatherings. Right. So we, th we, we think family. it's small family gatherings, weddings, um, really anything like that. And so it's, it's not schools, but what's happening is schools are, you know, being affected by these gatherings. And our school got a letter saying that uh, if we don't, so we have currently eight positive cases and a lot of people quarantined. And our school said that if we don't get it under control by Thanksgiving, they're going to shut us down until January 4th. And that's when we were projected to go back or like, that's when we were supposed to go back after winter break. So they're thinking about shutting us down for almost a month and a half. If um, we don't, you know, get back on the right track where we're not really having a lot of people quarantined, not having a lot of positive cases, because right now we're not doing very good. Yeah, I know we had three cases, like about 40 people quarantined, but um, I'm now like they've all recovered. They're all back. A lot of people can come back to school. I think we've been doing fine. The three cases haven't been from school. They've been from people like going outside of school and having like small gatherings, as you said earlier which have been like the main cause. I think that comes to show like we don't necessarily need like a lockdown. If people just listen to the basic rules, we should be okay. I would definitely agree. If people listen to the basic rules, we'll be okay. But uh, what do you, how likely do you see that to happen? I mean, it hasn't happened now and people are getting more intolerant as it goes on. I mean, people, even at like small gatherings, wear a mask and if you're six feet away, which like I know most of them, a good amount of them are, in fact, you should, you should be relatively okay. So do you think that we are able, like, I, think I mean, obviously schools are not the main reason that we're, you know, this virus is being, uh, you know, grown, but like schools are kind of under scrutiny because people didn't think we should be going back at all. And I know that whether or not schools are the cause of it, they're going to shut us down because they think it's like, I feel like uh, the state looks at that as an easy like way to, you know, show the public we're doing what we need to do. We're shutting down schools, keeping kids safe. And I think whether or not it were the reason that it's happening, no, schools are going to get shut down. No schools. They're not a problem. I don't, if we go into a lockdown, as like some people are saying, yes, yeah, schools are obviously going to be shut down as a part of it, but I don't think it's going to be like, um, I don't think, like, if there is some type of semi-shutdown, schools aren't going to be, like, the first place to be closed down. Yeah, I think that we're more likely to see bars and restaurants closed down. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, because, you know, you're not wearing your mask most of the time, and you're eating. Um, and they're not necessary. They're not a essential business. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, bars and restaurants closed down. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see gyms closed down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so all of those non-essential things, if they close down, I wouldn't be surprised. But do you think we're looking at a potential shutdown like in April? No, no. I, I don't think we're looking at a potential shutdown. I think like the way things are going, we have a vaccine. I mean, numbers are increasing. But that's like, th that's going to happen. There's a vaccine, like we're close to getting a vaccine. Um, things have been coming under some sort of control. I don't think a lockdown is necessary. I don't think the economy can handle another like six day week long lockdown. If you think of it, that's one month or that's two months out of a three month quarter. Like that, that's another negative quarter. That's um, which could have like lasting impact. 
on the economy. We're already seeing like we're starting to recover from the pandemic now. We, I don't think we can have another lockdown, the economy dip, and us to go um, have to recover once more. Yeah, I would agree with what you say about the lockdown. I definitely don't think that we can uh, support another you know two month lockdown. Um, f- you know, and yeah, we are just starting to like you know recover from that. Um, so yeah, I definitely don't think it'd be good for the economy. But do you think that if uh, the virus is still on the path that we're seeing now in January that we could see a Biden lockdown under a Biden administration. Yeah, I think a Biden lockdown is a possibility. I just think it would cause a lot of political tension on Capitol Hill and it would cause a lot of just political tensions throughout the U.S. And so, um, you know, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to uh, uh, public reaction and when it comes to controlling the virus, what do you think would happen um, if Biden's able to do his three-month lockdown, that's actually a question we just got. Well, I think first, what would happen is Biden, um, we would see Biden, I think, I'm looking two years ahead, come to the midterm, Democrats lose both the House. They they lose the House, and they um, there's an even larger Republican majority in the Senate. If we do have a lockdown, there's going to be bad economic um, repercussions that's going to carry throughout Biden's terms. People are going to always place the blame on the president. Um and that results in a shift in um, in the midterm. I think Biden will become a more unpopular figure, especially amongst maybe some more like central Democrats who are um, on the fence about Trump or Biden, as like they don't want to go through another six month or um, six to eight week lockdown. I don't think most of the country doesn't want to go through another six to eight week lock- lockdown. It was already bad enough that we had to do it once. I don't think like the country morally and financially can go through it again. Could we? It's a possibility under the Biden administration, but can we? I don't think so. So yeah, I would definitely, I definitely don't think that it'd be beneficial for, beneficial in any way for us to, you know, have another lockdown. Um, but I definitely see it as a very real possibility. And if I were to guess, if this virus, if we're at the same place in two months where we are right now, I have no doubt that we are going to see a Biden lockdown. Yeah, and I I wouldn't I won't even be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised, but I wouldn't be in favor of it. Yeah, I pr- I wouldn't be in favor either. So, let's continue. Uh, so we've talked about the coronavirus. We've talked about um, the election, and now what we should talk about is what we are going to see in the next four years. We've talked about this a little bit, um, but what do you think we're going to see in the next four years? Um, really not considering the coronavirus. I think come midterm, we're going to see um, the Republicans gain the majority in the House and to them keep their, and for them to keep their majority in the Senate. I think midterm, like we've seen continuously, that every midterm, it's, it's um, always shifted to power. Um, in 2014, the power was shifted in the favor of the Republicans when Obama was president. And in 2018, the power was shifted in the favor of the Democrats in the house while Trump was president, we always see like a shift in the opposite direction. I think that could almost cause a stalemate on um, in DC. The problem being if Biden, if Biden decides in the white house to be the true Biden, the centrist Biden, the moderate Biden that we heard in his speech um, when he like was projected to become the president elect. Um, if we see that Biden, I think a lot of things can get done as he'll he's, he'll be willing to work with Republican senators. But if we see a Biden that's a puppet of the more radical, much more left-wing Democratic Party, the Harris's, the AOC's, the Sanders, the Warren's, if we see that Biden, 
then I think it would be almost um, a stalemate on Capitol Hill. Yeah. I mean, we already are not in a good situation for Democrats with um, the Senate now being in, uh, well, projected to be in Republican hands. Uh, we're still waiting for runoff races and the closest we can get, even if Democrats win both runoff races in Georgia, which will not happen. Um, I think Dem- the Republicans will win both of those runoff races. Um, we're going to see a uh, Republican majority. And I'm not sure if I think we're going to see a, a flip in the House. I think it's going to get very close. What? In the not now, but in the midterm. I right. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see a flip. I mean, if we're looking at the past, then yes. And it's only thirteen seats, I think, right now is the difference. Do you yeah. know? Yeah, I, I think it's like thirteen seats. Close. So it's very close. And yeah, we definitely could see that. And if you're right, if we see the Biden that we saw uh, after his campaign, and if we see what. Um, you know, if we see like that President Biden and not that Senator Biden, yeah, the Republican Biden, right? I definitely think that you know we could um, get accomplish a lot of things. Uh, you know, while yeah. he's in the White House, yeah. Um, and so yeah, you mentioned Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Uh, so here, Joe Biden gets the label socialist a lot by Republicans, and it's not accurate i mean if you're here if you're going to call biden a socialist then the real socialist is you know bernie sanders and i'm not you know saying that negatively he he calls himself a well democratic socialism whatever he says um so democratic socialism is pretty much a watered down version of socialism the way bernie sanders puts it and bernie sanders his version of democratic socialism is socialism, but uh, not, uh, you know, nationalizing all of the, you know, industries. Yeah. If, how if that f- happens, that's not socialism. I don't see how that necessarily works. Right. So how do you feel about, you know, like the nationalization of like the oil industry? I mean, it, it does. Uh, when the it, when the it economy to- would definitely tank, but I mean, the healthcare industry, nationalization of the healthcare industry. I mean, look at Canada. Um, Canada in my opinion, and I mean, it really isn't too much of an opinion. Canada by, you know, statistics has a much better healthcare system than we have here. If you get, you know, if you break your arm in Canada, you go to the um, hospital, they treat you, they give you a cast and you go home. Here, it's the exact same, uh, but they slap a $1,900 medical bill in your hands. So I don't understand what's so... What I'm saying, what I think is, like the thing in Canada is, you... At nineteen hundred dollars, that nineteen hundred dollars though is charged in your taxes instead of um, on a medical bill covered by insurance. I think like that that's the main difference we see. Like their taxes are so much higher, but like the thing is, when we complain about like our medical prices, their taxes are, are made to cover those medical um, those healthcare prices. So like that's why those countries have such high taxes. So like while well, yeah, we may think it's bad for nineteen hundred dollars here to, for your broken arm. In Canada, $1,900 is placed on their tax. So in the end, they're both paying the same, essentially. But one is just in two different forms. Yeah, and here, the medical, like, here, um, medicine in Canada, um, it's been semi-proven. It's, like, uh, debated among, you know, U.S. universities. But it's been sort of proven that Canada healthcare is better than U.S. health, better or equal to U.S. healthcare. 
you know, with the exception of some studies. So I guess since it's so debatable and, you know, mainstream studies are pretty much inconclusive, do you know enough about like, cause I really don't. So I'm hoping, you know, a little bit about Canada healthcare because I, I Bernie Sanders what, I, says it's better, better, uh, no, in I think, Canada. The problem is I think a lot of the arguments people who want universal healthcare say that like, um, a lot of people have like government run healthcare that could use universal healthcare. But I think that's like a, a much smaller population. I mean, compared to, Oh no. We'll see if he comes back and if he uh, gets kicked out again, then he'll just join back. Uh, I'll answer a question while he's stuttering right now. Um, so the question is, do you think that uh, if the three-month lockdown starts that Biden is planning uh do you think that could start any riots or more protests um i'm gonna have to answer well riots no protests yes we didn't see a whole lot of lockdown riots um all the riots we saw during the lockdown were because um of police brutality and um the killing of george floyd and you know brianna taylor and people like that um you know situations like that but um I don't know if we're going to see riots. Protests, we're definitely going to see protests, you know, outside, you know, in Ohio, we saw protests outside the state house, people carrying guns. It got pretty violent, but nothing really bad, too bad happened. Uh, so, no, I don't think we'll see, you know, a big situation. It's probably just going to be like what we saw. It's probably going to, I don't, I don't even think it'll be as bad as what we saw previously. Obviously, people who don't like Biden and like Trump, uh, may have a problem with it, but you know, I'm not sure. All right, welcome back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, while you're gone, I just answered a question about uh, what riots or protests we might see if Biden's three month lockdown goes into effect. And I said, I don't think we're going to really see riots. Protests, we're definitely going to see. I mean, people protested, but I think it'll most of the protesting is going to be from people who didn't like biden and then are upset about the protest so it's kind of you know icing on the cake so we're gonna protest yeah, yeah. but yeah i don't think it's something to be worried about really no no so where were we um i'm talking about healthcare, universal oh healthcare. yeah uh we were talking about canadian healthcare. yeah so yeah what'd you say about whether you thought it was better or worse um than in the u.s I mean, I, I don't know much about it, but I just know, like, when people say you don't have to pay anything, like, in Canadian healthcare, I just want to say, like, that, that's, like, a misinformed statement. You are still paying it. It's just in the taxes you're paying it instead of um, out of pocket. So you, I mean, do you prefer, do you think that, uh, so do you prefer, like, Canadian healthcare over U.S. healthcare? Would you rather them I mean, I, hand I, you I, the I, medical I, bill or take it from your taxes and you go in there and it feels like it's free? I think I'm okay with the U.S. I mean, I've, like, never had done, like, this healthcare stuff, like, insurance or paid for any of this stuff. I think the American system has been working fine, so I think we could just – we're good with it as it is. So let's uh, kind of change course and kind of not. How do you – so let's talk about capitalism. Okay. And capitalism is, in my opinion, I think capitalism is somewhat overrated, and the capitalist system I don't think is going to last as long as – we think it is. I don't think that capitalism as we know it is going to last 
throughout the next hundred years. I mean, our capitalist system is like does really benefits. Um, I think you know the rich, and I think it's almost like an exponential growth system where as you get rich, it's easier to get more rich. And I think being poor in America is kind of a hole that's very hard to get out of. So how do you feel about a capitalist system versus, um, you know, either a socialist system or, um, I mean, not a communist system, but like a communist ideology. Right. Yeah. I think, I think the capitalism is fine. I'm a huge supporter of the capitalist system. I honestly wouldn't go any other way. I think like the free market is the right market. Because you got to think about it like in terms of regulation. When you have heavy regulations like communist countries, socialist countries, there is no economic growth. And that's why in those countries there has like, there's no development of industries because there's no competition. There's no like drive for innovation to make things better. So you're still stuck in those old fashioned ways. Um, but like when you have a capitalist society that fosters competition and innovation, there's like everyone's trying to outcompete each other. So like let's say like, two automotive companies, Ford and Toyota, they're each trying to make a better car. So like and then customers, if Ford makes a better car, they go there. Then um, Toyota comes out, they make an even better car then customers will go there. So there's like that competition. And like you're talking about the rich and the poor, we have to think about it in terms of um, like those rich people, yeah, they're rich, but a lot of them did start out poor and like they flourished in the capitalist system because of hard work and um, I guess just grinding throughout their lives and um, like working so they can become rich. So when I say that I, um, when I say that I, uh, I'm somewhat opposed to the capitalist system because it um, benefits the rich. You would say that here. So when I say that like, uh, rich, yeah, people, rich people are benefited by the capitalist system, you would say that uh, hard work is benefited by the capitalist system. Yeah. Yeah. That's what got them rich. And you also have to think about like in a communist country or a socialist country, there's still just as many poor people. This, the problem is in those societies, everybody is poor like there's only very few with like a lot of money like the proportion i know of like the poor to the rich i'm sure i don't know like for a fact I and mean, you can look it up but I, I assume it's much um like much less um rich to poor in a socialist society than rich to poor in a capitalist society yeah so so you think that the capitalist system is beneficial because it rewards based on hard work and yeah. not. So you, you think that somebody who's born into like a rich family, I mean, you don't think that, I mean, obviously Baron oh, yeah. Trump is better off than we are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like Donald Trump's dad, he had to work for it. Right. Trump, even right. like he still had to work, work for, um, work. And, um, he was like a high, um, high class real estate agent. Like they all still have to work. And then, um, I mean, eventually there's going to be people whose lives are cushioned, but um, you got to think about it like a couple lines back. There were people who started like with nothing and then like got something, created something. So I, I, as much as I dislike President Trump, I have a lot of respect for Trump when it comes to what he's been able to do, you know, yeah. with his real estate. And I think he's an incredible businessman. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of respect for Donald Trump and I know that even though he was born into a rich family and his dad had a lot of money, I know that he worked for what he got. Yep. Um, and he, I think he definitely like worked more than, you know, 
other rich people that you know we know yeah. now. And that's and also I, like the incentive you to work hard so like your kids can get a better life than you had than you had. So like your kids, I guess, don't have to like go through the struggle like you had. So do you think that there should be? I mean, here I see radical left. Uh, you know, people talking about uh, how there shouldn't be billionaires. And I, I literally saw this on Twitter. It was somebody talking about how there should be no billionaires. And after you reach like 999 million, or once you reach a billion, everything after that should go to like charity or the government. It was some, a lot of these some people, like, ridiculous still idea. The charities. And a lot of these people like still started, started from nothing. When Jeff Bezos was 21, he was like flipping hamburgers at a McDonald's. Now like, he's the richest man on the planet. So like, I don't think you can like blame um like parents or him being well off for his um financial success bill gates yeah he lived like a, a comfortable life but he still he worked he got into harvard and that requires a lot of work on its own he created his own company he created microsoft while he was still in college like all this stuff is required hard work like they have worked to um, get these goals so i think you're kind of pretty much taking away from the incentive to work hard and um like reach these milestones so I mean, do you think that, like, the proportion from, like, here, we have a select few uh, amount of billionaires, right, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many there are, um, but that number is very low, so... But then compare that think... to the number of billionaires in a, a socialist or communist country. Yeah, I'll have to look up that data, um, but do you think it's fair that, like... Because, I mean, there are billionaires on this planet who did not work for what they have yeah. or did work but had an you know, insane benefit by being born in a rich and yeah. famous family. Or like inheriting so, a company or such. Right. So do you think that it's you know, really beneficial that we have um, you know, a, an extremely high poverty rate in the U.S. and we have a bunch of billionaires who um, you know, it's pretty much been proven that it's impossible for them to spend the money before they die? I think still like a lot of these billionaires do donate to charity. I know. And a lot of this money when they die will be given to some form of charity. So I think like as long as some of it is going to a good cause, I, th- I think it's okay. Cause I guess the capitalism, it rewards you for your hard work. Um, you have to be working. You have to be grinding nonstop to become that, like that top 1%. So I'm not even kidding you. You're, you. You may not believe me, but I read this article on Medium yesterday, and this title was literally, Capitalism is Sexist. Okay. I read it, and I'm like, okay, holy crap, I have to read this. This is How can I pass this, I mean, this big yeah. thing we're missing, this sexist capitalism? Anyway, so I read this article, and it's talking all about how, um, you know, richest men in the world compared to richest women in the world. And that can be very uh, easily debunked by looking up top um, 10 uh, richest women and top 10 richest men and look at how they got their money. So if we're looking at the richest women on the planet right now, do you know who it is? Kylie Jenner, I believe. Mackenzie Bezos. Income source is divorce. Yep. So to say that capitalism is sexist, are any any, here, some of the most famous, you know, Richest people in the world, Warren Buffett. All right, he made his money from uh, trading. Yeah, right? stock. That's right. Um, and stock is not racist. Is no. stock's not stock, like stock doesn't discriminate. Like 
if you're a woman and you own stock and you're a man and you own stock, the same company won't go up for the man and down for the woman. Right. Like here, if me and uh, a woman order the same stock at the exact same price, we're going to get it for the same price. And if we sell it at the same time, we're going to have the same amount of profit or loss. There's no, you know, sexism in. Yeah. You won't stock. make more it's, it's, or have to be charged more because you're a male. Right. It's, it's all mathematical and there's no like yeah. person behind it. So there's no discretion in the stock market. So to say that somebody, that a woman cannot completely replicate Warren Buffett's life and completely like yeah, that's, get to where he's at by doing what he did is not true. Now, a lot of people who, you know, are very good at trading, uh, you know, went to good schools and got degrees in finance. So what, you know, basically what this article said was uh, women are discriminated against when trying to get into college and going into finance. And that's actually not true. If you're a woman trying to uh, uh, major in finance at a school and a man, uh, the acceptance rate is, um, and you can fact check me on this. I looked it up like 10 minutes ago. That's why I had to delay making this episode because I was still oh, yeah. getting some information because I wanted to talk to you about capitalism uh, and this stupid article I read. Um. The acceptance rates for women uh, who major in finance is higher than a man who majors in finance in the U.S. So to okay. say that a woman can't go and get the same education at the same school and yeah. trade on the same stock market is not true. So this whole capitalism yeah. is sexist idea is just not true. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this is like this is where we're getting like too radical. Right, and it's I mean it is a fact that the richest women are poorer than the richest men because top ten richest people in the world are men. And probably further down that list, but you know, I'm comfortable saying top ten because I know that. Yeah. But the richest woman in the world's income source was divorce from yeah. the richest man in the world. And that's not just because you look at those numbers and it looks bad. That's there's no sexism behind it. Cause the Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a woman could own Tesla. Like Yeah, a woman can run, a woman can run Amazon, a woman can run Microsoft. Like right. I know I know a woman can run Tesla yeah. because Elon Musk runs Tesla and Elon Musk is a moron. Yeah. A yeah. beautiful, intelligent moron. Um, yeah. And yeah, Elon Musk, I don't even want to get into him, but yeah, uh, yeah a woman can do any of these things. So the whole capitalism is sexist so, idea. A woman rules the largest sovereign um, kingdom in the world. So uh, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any problems with like women breaking like the richest. There's like no sexism or any of these no. things. Oh, and the woman uh, – ruling the largest sovereign kingdom. Yeah, she'll probably be ruling it for another 90 years. Yep. She does not leave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny because, yeah, I am would consider myself, you know, a leftist, and leftism is not exactly popular among uh, people I, I've noticed. But yeah. we're getting to a point where it's just too radical. And, yeah. you know, I, mean, I read it and I'm like, I'm going to read this because I'm going to laugh and I'm going to talk about it later. Yeah, I think the U.S. like right now, we're kind of experiencing what Europe's experiencing. We're becoming more of like a, a left-wing, I think, country. I mean, like the U.S. is still like at its core, the centrist country. Like, there's always going to be leaning to one side or another. So, what I found really interesting while we're talking about, um, you know, U.S. leaning to the left, Canada's uh, conservative party is classified more to the left than the U.S.'s Democratic Party. And that is the sole reason I'm not moving to Canada. I mean, that's so just... That's a radical conservative insane. party then. So what's a liberal party and, like that? Yeah, I, I mean, I would go up there and I'd be the most radical conservative probably. Yeah. Like, 
I wouldn't the, be the difference in political ideology between us and Canada is not even something yeah. that even I like can us in Europe. You think about it, Europe's always a left wing country. Like I know I I had wrote a speech about um Angela Merkel and her succession, like who should come after her. And Angela Merkel is part of the Conservative Party, the um the CDU, the Christian Democratic Union of Germany, and like even that politics. When I was reading into their politics and their policies, they are a central part. Like they are the central party, and, like leading obviously a little bit to the right. But if you compare them to the U.S., where the Republicans now, like the Reagan esque the um, Bush senior Republicans, those Republicans like are much farther to the right than um the Republican than the the quote-unquote conservatives in um, in Europe. Like Angela Merkel herself, she's a centrist. I know her successor is centrist, sometimes even leaning to the left. And then, like, you have the, social, the left parties who are, like, the full-on socialists. Yeah. Um, so what would you say – so you, you did say that you think that the U.S. is moving to the left? A little bit, yeah. But so, we're still essentially a centrist country. Right. So I would agree, but – I mean, would you also say that uh, our media is moving to the left or to the right? Because um, I don't know if you know what the Overton window is. Do you? No, I don't know. So it's the window that shifts to the left and the right based on, and in the in the window, is what is considered normal. Okay. You know, like like the the central belief, and that window right now has been classified to be um, moderate right. So the more radical things, just for example, the more radical things that Trump does, the further right that window moves. All right. So well, yeah. if, if, some, if somebody on the left, like let's say Biden, all right, as president says that I think that we should become a communist state, then that window would make less radical ideas seem more normal. And I think that, that that's largely influenced by the media. And I think that our media is very right wing. So actually, when I say like right wing, when I talk about conservatives, I like to talk about like your Reagan conservatives, your Bush con- Bush senior conservatives, your Ford, your Nixon conservatives, like your classic conservatives, deregulation, lower taxes, no deficit spending, deficit spending. I think Trump has brought the Republican Party a lot to the left. Um, well, not like to the left, but like he's um, leftened it more. Like now it's more, it's becoming more and more of a central party. Um because, like, yeah, a lot of people think Trump is a radical Republican, but when you, like, actually sit down and look at his policies, you'll see, like, these are something far more central and far more left than Reagan did, Bush Sr., Nixon. Um, I mean, he resigned, but he was still, like, up until that point, a great president. Um, Gerald Ford, even people like Dwight Eisenhower. I think, like, at that time, we're kind of, like, diverse roles. We had the, the conservative Republicans. And then the Democrats were the party like of John Kennedy, who are more, um, and even Bill Clinton, who are more centrist themselves. And now we're like we're shifting that where the Republican Party is becoming more of like the centrist party as we're moving more and more to the left. So I think like so, when we say right now, we need to be careful because like right nowadays can mean more like a center right compared to like right from the nineteen seventies and eighties, which would mean like the actual right. So. In recent history, you know, recent meaning like, you know, the 60s from like Kennedy up, who would you say, you know, in, I mean, I guess that is modern history for the U.S. But yeah, since like the 60s, ever since like Kennedy, who would you say is the furthest right president of the United States? I think Ronald Reagan was the furthest right president. And that's not like, 
just saying they're far right. That that's a matter of policy. That's not necessarily a bad thing because here, no, I'm Ronald a Democrat, Reagan, and I think Ronald Reagan was one of the, if not the best president. Yeah, he's regarded as one of the greatest presidents in history. If not that, he's a top three. He fixed like the problems with the Soviet Union, dissolved them, essentially got rid of communists in Eastern Europe and tensions there. Um, and now like there's like the U.S. hasn't been involved in tensions there until like the recent the Russian problems, which have been stemming from the Middle East. Um. He, he fixed the economy that Carter left for him. He fixed the high inflation rates. Reaganomics was brilliant. He deregulated, which largely allowed for the econo- economy to grow. We kind of had like a rebirth in the American spirit, the American dream. And like we returned to more democratic and capitalist ideals. I'll tell you what, you are going to love uh, like a push and yeah. like world civ. Holy. Um, yeah, so... I mean, as a Democrat, I think even if I were to disagree with Reagan's policies, and I think he was definitely very far right, but his policies weren't like extremists by any like means. Yeah, yeah, they're not like radical right. They were still like, I think compared to some of Trump's policies, they were still like fair like, right, no deficit spending, deregulating. Trump has, he's deregulated, but there's still been some deficit spending in some case scenarios of some like more left-leaning economic policies. I think like by far Reagan has been one of the most right presidents. And by that... um. Actually, never mind. Forget what I was gonna say. So, do you think that, like, I mean, I would put Bernie Sanders further left than any of like the twenty twenty candidates, um, yeah, or like Elizabeth Warren, yeah. But do you think that Reagan was further right than like Bernie is left? I mean, democratic socialism seems like a pretty no, left no, because Bernie, idea. because I mean, because Bernie is a straight up um, socialist. I think like. He, he wants to, he said, like, it's a democratic socialist to him now. But I think, like, if, like, we do see a Bernie and, like, that Bernie's crew take over, we're going to see a lot more industries that become socialized and in the government's hands. So I think Bernie is far, farther left because um, he wants to, like, sh- completely shift the political spectrum. Um, yeah, I would definitely agree. I mean, calling, like, Joe Biden a socialist is calling him names, calling... Uh, Bernie Sanders is socialist is politically intelligent. Yeah, I mean, strictly like policy wise, I mean, I have no problem calling uh, Bernie Sanders a socialist. I mean, he's he is definitely a socialist, and yeah, he calls it democratic socialism, but that's just a way to make sure people think that he's not, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think that Bernie Sanders was one of the most left. Um, you know, politicians yeah. in modern history, and I wouldn't really consider him a Democrat. Really. Yeah, you haven't seen like a, a strong left movement into socialism like this until like this is, I think, the first time we've seen it. I really wish that podcasts exist in like the seventies because we, I think, we'd have so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, like, yeah. like classic, like left wing and right wing. You know, like yeah, because Reagan, was, Kennedy's think, classic yeah, right left now wing. We're going to a shift where, like, the U.S. where um more like where trump like he's seen as a radical but if you consider trump like a radical republican now then like reagan was off the charts right then like nixon was off the charts right ford was off the charts right like trump i think compared to like the classic republicans like i've said many times the reagans the um fords the nixons eisenhowers um he is trump is like pretty central he's still leaning to the right obviously but he's pretty central so here, so let's talk about like Eisenhower for a second. Eisenhower is one of my favorite right wing presidents, and I think 
Well, okay, so here. Eisenhower is like the classic right-wing president. Yeah. And when I think of, like, I would put him, like, on the right end of the spectrum if we're talking about, like, oh, yeah. you know, classic right and classic left, not Bernie Sanders or... Trump. Right, I mean, Trump is just... Here, Trump's policies are not extremist. They're not, like, um, the classic Republican policies. Right, Trump's uh, way of presidency, I think, is extremist. It's just... Yeah, Wait, but it's not like extreme to one side necessarily. Right. He, I think. Well, I, th- I wouldn't say he's an extreme politician. He's. I think he's just an extreme person. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but like, yeah. If you're putting Reagan on the right and Kennedy on the left, okay, that would be like the spectrum of like, you know, I mean, classic like, right and left. Kennedy, Kennedy's more of like a, a even a centrist president. A lot of his policies. Um, I said like, if you want to find like a real true left president, I'd go with FDR. Yeah, so if you were to put uh, Roosevelt and uh, Reagan, all right, on a spectrum, that would be like those. That's like the classic right and left wing. Yeah. And I'd say know, Trump, policies. Trump would be like generally in the middle, a little bit to the right. Biden would be in the middle, a little bit to the left. Bernie would be much farther left than um, than Roosevelt, I think. And like same with like the Warrens, the Harrises, the AOCs. What we need to do, all right, I know you've heard of this. In one of our episodes, we need to take the stupidest test known to man, uh, the political compass test. That test is so inaccurate when it comes to placing people left and right. Okay, up and down, I think it's pretty accurate when it comes to I, I take libertarian and off. I know my political values. I, I want to take it and see how I'll fare. Yeah, I, I knew where I'd fall. Like, I could pinpoint exactly where I should be. And I was just going to see how wrong it was. It was actually really hard for me to take the test because I would look at a question and instead of thinking about the question, I would think, I know what that question is going, where, what they're going to do with that question. Yeah. Like I looked at a question and they're like, okay, I see what they're trying to do here. They're trying yeah. to get me to say that I think that socialized medicine is a requirement and then zing me to the left. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've looked at their left, right scale. Trump is like nearly off the chart. Right. Which is just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like you can Trump's him- further right than Hitler. And he's almost as authoritarian as Hitler, which is That's what an, ex- I want an extreme talk. ideology. I mean, Hitler. I don't think we literally Hitler though. Still like, I think that that's a stretch. Like we're still talking about a president of the United States. Right. We're still talking about the United States of America. Hitler literally started to kill people. Um, and I don't think we've seen President Trump go. I mean, we've seen Trump say crazy things about Democrats, you know. Yeah, but I think a, them, yeah, Trump to Hitler would take would, like, takes it extremely far. Comparing Trump to Hitler is something that uh, that's like a Bernie Sanders left idea. Yeah, that's such a radical idea. Just like how I said that even Biden uh, Biden wouldn't dare do that. No, just like how I said that uh, capitalism is sexist it's just such a radical idea that no matter what side you're on you're going to just look at it and laugh and i think if 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 people look i think the last 30 minutes of this podcast if somebody were to watch that they would think that i'm a republican yeah because all we talked about was how communism is good communism is not sexist and uh or how ron yeah yeah capitalism and how ronald reagan was one of the best presidents and how trump is not hitler Yeah, yeah um yeah, yeah, I don't seem I like don't a very. I've been like thinking about it. I've been making some projections, like looking at stuff. Do you think we will ever see like a true return to uh, the Republican Party, the classic Republican Party, with like a kind of a more left-leaning um, wave in the country? 
Well, it depends. Who do you see like now? Do you see any? I don't. I don't right- think. I think the last like real classic politician, a right wing politician we have is Mitch McConnell, and that's even a little bit of a. Stretch. And he, yeah, he, I think Mitch McConnell's nearly an extremist. Yeah, I don't even think, but he's not. I don't think like a classical Republican like Reagan. He's no. the closest we have right now to one. He's, he's as old as like, them, but he's not. That's true. Yeah, but um, um, I, me personally, I don't think we're gonna see a return to a true Republican candidate like the Reagan, like Nixon, like Eisenhower. And we're going to see like a more radical left. Like I think now in the future, it's, it's still going to be like the parties. They're still going to be the Republican and Democratic Party. But I think it's going to be more between centrist values and liberal values instead of conservative and liberal. So do you think that like here, so you think obviously Mitch McConnell's like the closest we have policy wise, do you see anybody who is remotely close to that right wing, classic right wing? I think the closest to like a possible candidate, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's not even like a classic right wing. I think she's the best candidate the Republicans can put up in twenty twenty four. She, I think, could like she definitely, I think, is very likely to beat Kamala Harris if they both do end up running that year. But um, I think like even yeah, she's a, a, a solid Republican, but she'll still even have like some centrist beliefs. She'll have to give up some stuff to win the vote of the people. Yeah, Nikki Haley's not liked like liked by the Democratic Party, but I think she could definitely get there. Like, I think she has the full support of the Republican Party, and mm-hmm. she has like and centrists who are leaning on the fence that maybe voted for Joe Biden because they didn't want Donald Trump. They could even go for Nikki Haley over Kamala Harris because I know Kamala Harris like she's. All the Democrats can get behind Joe Biden, but not all Democrats can get behind Kamala Harris. Oh, here. So you said that you mentioned that, you know, Nikki Haley has the, you know, support of the Republican Party. I would say Nikki Haley has the support of the Republican Congress. I don't know, like, how how much support she has. When I say Republican Party, I don't mean like. I don't mean like you're down south, like like the Trump protest, the ones who are going on the side of the street and are still protesting now. I mean, like. The Republic, the Trump supporters, like they may just have a single sign. They might even be silent supporters. Like the, your average American who just goes out and votes for his pocketbook. I say like that's who she has full support of. I don't say she has full support of those because those guys who like go out and they like protest for Trump even now. Like you see them on the side of the road with their big signs and billboards. I no, think, they're they're hardly Republicans. Yeah, they're, they're not Republicans. They're, they're Trump supporters. They're not Republicans. I think when I say Republican, difference. I mean like the people. They're not too flashy. They might have a sign up. They, they vote for their pocketbook. They just, they go to the polls and that's it. So here, I don't see here. Let's say Nikki Haley runs against uh, Kamala Harris. I do see Nikki Haley winning. Kamala Harris does not have the support of the Democratic Party and she doesn't have the support of the Republican Party. No, I, and she doesn't have, she doesn't have the support of the blacks. And that's what won Joe Biden this election. Yeah. yeah. He, and yeah, she doesn't have that support either. Um, but Nikki Haley against joe biden i don't see nikki haley outperforming president I mean, trump you know joe biden's not gonna win we're not gonna not gonna win I, so i don't mean that i mean he's not gonna run for a second term he's, oh, yeah, he's not running so well, let's I think say I, nikki haley were were running this year all right against joe biden do you think that she would outperform president trump yes i think she'd outperform president trump I don't think she would because I don't, Trump but, supporters are just so like I mean Trump supporters, not Republicans who vote for Trump. Yeah, they're just I think so even, incredibly. I attracted a, a good amount of Republicans, more moderate Republicans who may have like not liked the, the the Trump, and so like these moderate Republicans who saw Trump 
Trump, we got to get this out of. I just want to make sure, like, people know Trump is not a radical Republican by any means, but people see him as a radical Republican by today's standards, not by like the true classic Republican Democrat standards of the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, so I think that, um, like, while they see them as radical, the more moderates, um, like the modern moderates, they could have been attracted to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, I would agree that Trump is definitely seen as, you know, radical right, but he's definitely not. Like, if you yeah. break it down by policy. Yeah, um, he's a centrist, or right-leaning centrist. Trump really surprises. I, I'm just incredibly surprised that Trump, like, could, like, really won the first time. Like, I can't believe that he won. I mean, he is. I think it was because people, like, at this time, they were tired of the establishment because you just had, you had eight years of Bill Clinton in the 90s. You had eight years of Bush, who was the son of a former president. You had um, you had Obama. That was kind of like the significant. Like, we kind of see like, oh, people want new, people want change. And then um, I think when Hillary ran, they saw it as like the old political regime and the old political establishment trying to come in and like secure the roots, saying like, oh yeah, we're still here. We didn't leave just because Obama was president. A new guy was president. I think people still wanted like a new president, an outsider, someone um, who was like fresh and untested, and that's why they took Trump. So I, f- I saw something today and it really made me laugh because if you look at Trump, all right, in the first debate, um, the, I mean, his first Republican debate, like in 2016, he just like does not like f- fit in in any way. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I think a lot of those guys, I think the reason Trump won is because you had like Jeb Bush, the son of George Bush Sr., you know, you had more classic politicians. And at that time, people didn't want a classic politician. They wanted something new. They wanted something different. That's why Hillary didn't win. Hillary was a classic politician. She was the wife of a former president. She has been in the establishment for like most most of her life. Yeah. Um, there's one imposter among us. <laughs> I mean, he just doesn't fit in because he really wasn't a politician. And he's never been known be to, you know, for being a politician. Yeah, I think the fact that he ran like it's just like I I I would love to sit down and have a conversation with President Trump and go, what in the world made you go? I'm going to be the next president of the United States. Yeah, yeah, and not only that. I mean, I just imagine like five year old Trump like I'm going to be the president. Yeah, yeah. He never, I think, like himself questioned it. I think he was he was sure about it the entire time. I think that's kind of like also what got people like his confidence as an outsider, as a new guy. Like that's what attracted people to him. Yeah, I I mean, here, he doesn't have political experience. He doesn't have military experience. And so he's the first president without political or military experience at all. And it is like, I mean, Marco Rubio, you remember what a mess he was? I mean, he just couldn't debate at all. Yeah, yeah. Marco Rubio's campaign was terrible. I think he's a good I politician, though. Rubio. I'm going to put that out there. What? I wanted Marco Rubio in that president. In that I wanted Marco Rubio, too. And now that I look at him now, he was a terrible, like, Debater, yeah, I and, didn't look too much on it now, but and uh, um, Chris Christie, all right, in a debate said he's been he's a first term senator, and we saw what Barack Obama did. Uh, Barack Obama was a first term senator, and he was terrible. So Marco Rubio is a first term senator; he's going to be terrible. That, those yeah. were Chris Christie's words. Um, but now Chris Christie has no problem supporting a zero term senator. Who has no political experience? I think that's just like, like um, politics. Like the same reason people are saying like 
they didn't um um they didn't vote on Merrick Garland, but they voted on um Amy Coney Barrett. Like and when they said they wouldn't vote on um a Supreme Court justice that like that quick, it's just politics. It's like it's just how you get ahead. I think like people need to realize like yeah, like, some of it could be hypocrisy. Like these people aren't just these people are also there in their own self interest. They're not just like yeah, they're supposed to be there for the voice of the people, but we all know a lot of them are there in their own personal self interest, and that's what they're trying to advance. Right. We saw hypocrisy. Well, I mean, if you call it hypocrisy, you know, it's it is politics. We saw hypocrisy from the Republican Party when it comes to the you know Amy Coney Barrett uh, trial. We saw um, hypocrisy uh, from the Democratic Party uh, when we're talking about um, accepting election results. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I I'm hear Democrats all the time saying you lost, just deal with it. Well, I'm like, I'm a Democrat, and I agree they should they lost, they should deal with it. But look at us four years ago. Yeah, right? yeah, like the Russia uh, collusion and peace. Yeah, and hashtag like. not my president. Right, yeah. we're seeing that we're seeing a complete repeat, just yeah. flip sides right now. Yeah. So we are uh, about an, we we're about an hour in. Um, uh, we talked about a lot of things from uh the extreme extremely sexist capitalism that we're living under um you know trump's being a f- not far right president um, yep. and healthcare, healthcare yes <laughs> democratic healthcare. socialism um yeah it was a really good episode uh yeah. we had about i think two live viewers the entire time nice. you guys are really silent the only questions <laughs> i got were from brody um yeah, I saved the questions for when you cut out so that I could answer them while, uh, oh, yeah. while you were gone. Um, but yeah, this was a good episode. I'll definitely see yep. Ali again. And if uh, I'm sure you guys noticed, but... Got merch. Yeah, we got the merch. Yes, sir. Um, and I got like two more of these. So next nice. time I see you, Ali, I'll... Uh, you know, you can cop one. I'll, I'll um, put, yeah. I'll uh, but yeah, I think I'm... I We're gonna... I'm working on a merch store so you know gotta cop the hat and the uh um the pin for the suit yeah i mean here when you run for senate all right you're gonna have to win the you're gonna have to wear uh you're inside the 435 um pin on your suit i have that pin yeah all right make sure all right uh thank you everybody for watching and uh thank you ali for being here with me uh not be the last time i see you most likely Um, But yeah, this has been episode three of Inside the 435. Thank you and see you next.